last week, um, I was writing one of my daily devotionals, and I, I talked about uh, that sometimes we, we follow our hearts, and we discover that we can't follow our hearts because our hearts can lead us astray. How many of you have discovered that? Sometimes what you think it looks right and feels right and all that really isn't right. And I, I saw this cartoon. I just thought, this is so fitting. Throw that up for me, Lee. Dennis the Menace eats stealing a cookie. He says, my dad said to listen to my conscience. Well, my conscience says, go for it, <laughs> you know. And I thought, boy, isn't that apropos? Isn't that exactly, you know, how, how it is? And there's a reason why that is. There's a reason why we can't fully trust our hearts, and there's a reason why uh, we can't always just follow our conscience, quote, unquote, and that's because of sin. Sin entered the world, and we're all born into sin. The Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, when the Bible says all, how many of you are pretty confident that means you? Yeah, yeah, yeah all 12 of us. That's good. Yeah, right. But it does. It, 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 means, it means all of us. And, and, and it's interesting is because we're going to talk about today about the fact that our God is willing to meet us right here, wherever we are, in our sin. Now, why this is so important is that this is, this is the common ground for all of us, um, you know, in this series, I talked about God meeting us in our fear. And I know there'd be some people who say, well, you know what, Pastor Steve, I don't think I really deal with a whole lot of fear. Um, I don't have a lot of things that kind of capture my heart or, or make me afraid. And, and that may be true. I also talked about God meeting us in our pain. And there may be people who would say, you know, well, I don't, you know, I don't think my life is that troubled. I'm not really walking through tough places. I really don't have that much pain in my life. But what I can tell you without hesitation is that we all deal with sin. We all deal with this thing that separates us from God. And the unbelievable part of this is that our God is willing to meet us right here where we are. Now, look at me. Just make eye contact for a second. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where your life has been. God is willing to meet you today right where you are in your sin. Now, I want to unpack a story together to take a look at that. You ready? If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can track along with me. We'll throw everything up on the screen. I want to look at a scripture uh, from John chapter 8. And uh, as we begin to read that, just remember there are Bibles in, in the pews in front of you. Uh, those are inter New International Version and there are Spanish Bibles. Those are also our gift to you. If you would like to take a Bible home for yourself or for a friend or a family member, feel free to do it. We'd love you to have one. But I want you to look with me as we read this story of how Jesus met this woman right where she was. As, he, as Jesus was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They, they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to Stoner, what do you say? Now, they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. And so he stood up again and he said, all right, but let the one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when his accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. 
And then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Did not even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. I want to I go back into the story a little bit. Because um, I don't know where you are on your journey of faith. I don't know who in this story you might identify with. <clears throat> maybe some of you identify with this woman who was caught, and maybe you've blown it big, and you're wondering how in the world or why in the world would God want anything to do with you. Maybe some of you feel a little bit like some of the, the teachers. Maybe you've got somebody close to you who has sinned, and you, you've been struggling with what they did and, and whether or not that, you know, to forgive them or why God should forgive them. Maybe you're you're in the crowd just kind of watching on going, you know, I don't sure where I fit into all of this. Well, wherever you are in this journey, God meets us right here in our sin. Now, let me give you just a few thoughts that I, wa- I want you to take home, and these will be good stuff for you to camp on this week. You ready? Here we go. Believe it or not, even, even in our sin, God's desire is for us and not against us. Even when we are dead, caught dead to rights in our sin, God's desire, believe it or not, is for us and not against us. Now, I know that's going to go against some of us and the image that we have of God. You know, some of us have grown up around places where we grew up around a God that we believed was an angry God or a condemning God or a judgmental God or, or a God who, who loved to just torture us and do horrible things to us. I don't know what kind of God you have in your mind, but I, I want to give you a picture. I saw this, this cute little video and I thought, this is, this is actually a really good picture of God. Play that video for me, Lee. Now, I think that's a great picture of God. Now, here are these little, little ducklings, and uh, they look up, and what do they see? This huge, menacing, you know, terrifying dog. I mean, this dog who could just, you know, just with one swipe, you know, could just eat, eat him whole. And, uh, you know, they see this dog in front of them, you know, and why is this dog after us? And so they, they turn and they run the other way, and then the, the dog gets around and goes in front of them again and turns them again and again and again. Now, was the dog trying to hurt them? It's not a trick question. Was the dog trying to hurt them? No. Was the dog, was the dog trying to terrify them? No. What was the dog trying to do? He was trying to guide them. He was trying to get them to the water where they needed to be, the water that they could drink, the water where they could play. That water was life to them. And I thought, isn't this how we are with God? You know, when, 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 we're, when we're off on our own and we're following our own path or we're away from God and, and we begin to feel the nudge of God's spirit or somehow or another God kind of begins to enter into our world, often instead of running to God, we run away from him. 
You know, what's God going to do? What's he going to say? He's mad at me. He wants to do something horrible to me. Uh, He wants to point out what a lousy person I am. And so so we run and we run and we run. And isn't it funny, kind of like with the ducks, wherever we go, there's God. You know, and we just keep running into him. Is God trying to hurt us? Is he trying to, to terrify us? Is God angry at us? No, don't miss this. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Yeah, I, I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know what you may be wrestling with. You may, you may have come in today feeling so guilty because you have blown it so big. And here's what you need to know. Even in the depths of the darkest part of the sin of your life, God's desire is for you and not against you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Look at what the passage of Scripture says from John 3. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, we, we, we most of us know that verse, but look at the next one. Read it out loud with me. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Get this, God has come to help you. God has come to redeem you. When God is entering your world, he's trying to heal you and make you whole. God is trying to save you, sometimes save you from yourself. You know, that's, that's why I put this statement on your outline. You know what, We're, we will never trust God's grace until we trust God's heart. You know, sometimes, like this woman who was caught, you know, when, they, when, when these people brought her before Jesus and threw her down in the dirt at Jesus' feet, you know, in, in my mind, I imagine that she thought Jesus was just like everybody else. You know, he was going to yell at her. He was going to tell her how awful he was, she was. He was going to tell her, you deserve to die. This is what the law was. I mean, she, she probably expected him to be anything but who he was. But Jesus was not against her. Even in her sin, he wasn't against her. He was for her. Look at me. And he is for you. He is for you. Can I give you a second thought out of this? And this is huge for a lot of us. And that is that God's grace is not only greater than our sin, it's greater than our shame. It's greater than our shame. Can you imagine how ashamed this woman had to have felt I mean, it, it, it would be bad enough just being caught like that doing something wrong, but to be dragged through the street, to be publicly humiliated, to be brought in front of a crowd, to her sin to be made known to everybody, what, what do you think was going on for this woman? I mean, you can just picture her face down in the dirt, you know, just wishing she could die. Have you ever felt like that? You know, for those of us who, who know how deep shame can go and how thick it can hang, man, when, when we mess up, when we blow it, some of, some of us have been there. It's like a cave you crawl into that you don't want to come out of. Um, I, when I was writing this message this week, I, I, had a, I had a memory that I really hadn't thought about for a long time. Um, when I was a kid uh, growing up back in Ohio, 
every Sunday, my family would go uh, out to my grandparents' farm uh, where we would have lunch out there after church. And I had a lot of relatives. My mom and dad both had a lot of brothers and sisters. And we'd go out to my mom's parents' house and, and they had this little farm out, outside of town. And my aunts and uncles and all my cousins would gather. And we'd have this humongous lunch. And then we'd go out in the yard and play football or run around, do, do stuff on the farm there. One Sunday... Um, we, we, when we got out to the farm, uh, I had an older a cousin who was a couple years older, a few years older than me, and um, he, his family had a, a good bit of money, and he always had really nice toys and nice stuff, and I used to always love to go to his house because he had everything that my family could never afford, you know, kind of thing. But this day when we got out to the farm, he had a mini bike. Anybody ever own a mini bike? Yeah, you know, they're, they're really cool. I mean, they're little, real small motorized vehicles, and, and uh, they were quite the rave back in the day when I was growing up. Well, he had a mini bike and he was zooming up and down this gravel lane that, that was my, my, my grandparents' driveway that went down to the highway. He was zooming up and down and I got out of the car, man, and my eyes are like this big. And he and some of my other cousins and aunt and uncle, they're all out there and they're taking turns riding this thing back and forth. And I'm like, I don't know, eight years old, nine years old, something like that. And uh, my cousin comes over and he says, get on. And so I get behind him and get on this mini bike and we go zooming down the lane and uh, you know, then we turn around and we come zooming back and we got back and when he got back, he got off the bike and he's holding it and he looks at me, he goes, this is the throttle, the brake's back here, take it for a spin. Now, you know, I jump on this bike, I have no idea what a throttle even is. I had no idea what that word even meant, except the only time I'd ever heard it was when it came out of my mother's mouth, I'm going to throttle you. You know, that's the only, only time I ever knew that. I had no idea what he was talking about. I just knew when he turned his wrist that that bike went. And uh, so I jumped on and I gunned that thing like that. And I mean, I'm spinning gravel and I'm zooming down this lane. Now I am flying down this lane as fast as this little mini bike could go. And as I'm flying down the lane, I just get frozen with fear. And brake was nowhere in my mind. I'm heading straight for a four-lane highway. And, you know, everybody's watching, and they're all, you know, they're just all going, Wah! and I'm flying down, and I, I seriously, I went flying down the lane. I went across all four lanes of that highway into the yard of the farm on the other side of the road, straight at a tree. And, and I literally, like six feet from this tree, I just jump off the bike, and the bike hits the tree, and splats. And the next thing I know, man, I'm laying on the grass, and 30 people from my family all come running over. And, you know, my mom and dad are, are picking me up. Are you okay? Are you okay? Of course, my cousin and my aunts and uncles are all looking at the bike. Is the bike okay? Is the bike, you know, kind of stuff. And, uh, and I got up, and, you know, my mom's like, what were you thinking? Are you crazy? You could have been killed. And, she's, yeah. and everybody's looking at me. What am I feeling, gang? Shame. I'm so ashamed. How could I be so stupid? How could I do something like this? It was overwhelming to me. I started bawling. I ran up the lane to my, to my grandparents' house. I ran inside. I ran upstairs. I ran to a back bedroom, went in the closet, and closed the door. And I'm sitting in the corner of this dark closet bawling. And I'm there, I don't know, it felt like 
three days. You know, I don't you know, it was probably just five minutes or so, but it felt like forever. I'm sitting in this closet and I, and I just, you, you get this, if you've ever been there, if you've ever done something like, I just wanted to disappear. I just wanted to disappear. And I'll never forget my, my father opening the door, seeing me and saying, come on out. And I hesitated and I came out and my head is down. And dad wraps his arms around me. And he just pulls me. It's okay. It's okay. He said, you're okay, Steve. And you are what really matters. And I'll never forget just the wave of comfort that I felt. And he walked me downstairs. And as I walked into the living room, everybody could tell I was upset. And my aunts and uncles were all, it's okay. It's okay. And my cousin Jimmy, I just, I hated to face him. But we, I went out in the yard, and my cousin Jimmy came over to me and took my arm and said, come on, he said, let me show you how to ride this thing. You know, he got back on the bike, and he took me on another spin, and he was showing me step by step what to do and you know, to do. And he said, now I'm going to walk alongside you. Don't give it too much gas and just do that. And he showed me how to break it, how to do it. And pretty soon, it, was, it wasn't long before I was riding down, up and down the lane. Can I tell you how great it felt? Again, not just to be forgiven for what I've done, but to feel the weight of that shame lifted off. Now, what I want you to know is sometimes, sometimes when we blow it so big, shame becomes our worst enemy. Because sometimes, like this woman who got caught, sometimes it is so overwhelming that even though someone or God is offering us forgiveness, it's really, really hard for us to forgive ourselves. And I don't want you to miss this. You see, whether or not you forgive yourselves doesn't discount God's ability to forgive you. Did you catch that? You see, if you confess your sin to God, God forgives you, and you may still feel the, the remnants of that shame. You may still feel the embarrassment of that. You may have people in your life who know how you've blown it and remind you of that from time to time, and you may feel the wave of that shame, but here's what you need to know. It doesn't matter whether you feel that shame or not because your forgiveness has nothing to do with how you feel. Some of you, that's the worth the trip in this morning. First John 3 says it this way. He says, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. And so we will be confident when we stand before God. Read it out loud with me, church. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Some of you need to circle that verse. You need to put it up on your refrigerator because I promise you, I, I talk to people all the time who, who say, you know, Pastor Steve, I've, I've confessed this to God and yet I still feel guilty about this. And that's okay. Those feelings of guilt may take a while before they ebb away, but that doesn't mean that you're not forgiven by God. Does that make sense to you? Here's the third thought that is for all of us to camp on. You don't have to sin big to need God's grace. You don't have to sin big 
to need God's grace. Look at the passage of Scripture. Paul says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to who? Say it again. Everyone, for everyone sinned. Now, when, when we read this story about God meeting this woman in, in, at, her, at her point of sin, one of the things that we don't, don't, sometimes don't think about is when you look at that crowd and you look at those religious leaders who drugged this woman before Jesus, demanding he give them the law, and, and this woman himself, of all of those people, the crowd, the teachers, the woman, which of them were sinners? All of them. Say it again. All of them. And this is the important part that we need to know because there's, there's two things that happen in this. Sometimes we're like the woman and we think, well, I've sinned so big and nobody has sinned like me and nobody's done what I've done and, and, and you know, they may be forgivable, but I'm not forgivable. And the other extreme are those of us who go, you know what, I may do a few things wrong once in a while, but I've never done anything like, and we justify ourselves. And the reality is this. No matter how deep in the sin you've been, we're still guilty before God until God's grace cleanses us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let me give you a picture of this. Uh, throw that picture up on the screen for me, Lee. Here is some wise, intelligent person with their head in the bottom of a bucket that's filled with water. Here is a guy um, at a, in, a, in a pool, uh, in a swimming pool, and he's down beneath the water um, blowing bubbles there. Here's a kid who is in the ocean uh, looking at the coral and all this kind of beautiful stuff. Now, they're, all three of these, you got one, somebody's in a bucket, somebody's in a swimming pool, another guy's in the ocean. Which of them, if they stay there, are going to drown? Which ones? All of them. Why? Because it doesn't take an ocean of water to kill you. It only takes about a half cup. And here's the, and here's the point. It doesn't matter how immersed in sin you are. It doesn't matter how obviously wet you are with sin. It doesn't matter how demonstrative your sin has been. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it doesn't matter if your sin is a bucket or a pool or an ocean. We're all going to die unless we experience the great grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I love passage of Scripture, Romans 3, 22 and 23. He says, read it out loud with me. He says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. I, I saw a story in the news um, a couple years ago and that really that kind of pictured this for me really well. Um, there was a, a, a little boy, 10-year-old boy in uh, California, in Southern California, named Angel, uh, Angel Gort. And Angel got into a, uh, a big fight with his mom. His mom wanted him to go to uh, summer camp. 
And he didn't want to go, and she says, you know, you're going, you know, that kind of stuff. And they got in this, this big house. He finally got so mad, he took off out the door, said, I'm running away. And he took off, and he never came home. And the mother began to freak out. And finally, uh, when he never came home and never came home and never came home, she, she called the authorities, and the police came out to the house, uh, they began to call people around the neighborhood to see if anybody had seen him. Uh, they began to organize search teams to search places in the area. They began to check bus stations. They began to check places where he might uh, get out on the highway and, and get a ride. I mean, this, this thing started expanding circle after circle, going further and further out. Finally, the story caught the news, and uh, the news helicopter came out to uh, talk about this unfolding story that was taking place. And as the news helicopter came came out reporting on it, they found him. Throw that picture. Here's where they found him. He was up on the roof of his own home. You don't have to be far from home to be lost. Let me picture it for you in Scripture. Luke chapter 15 Jesus is telling this story about God's concern for people who are lost. Uh, and he talks about a lost sheep, he talks about a lost coin, and he talks about a lost son. Now, when we read that story about the lost son, we, we think that the story is about this boy who wandered so far from home. But that's not really the point of the story that Jesus was making. As the story unfolds, this boy spends his inheritance, loses everything he has. Finally, after he's feeding pigs and has lost everything, he comes crawling home. And his father, you know, runs out to meet him, welcomes him with a kiss, takes him in. If you remember the story, they, they throw this, this huge party and everybody's happy. Except the older brother. The older brother who never left home. The older brother says, why does he get a party? Why does he get the fatted calf? Why, why, why are you making a big deal out of him? And the point that Jesus was making as he's telling this story to the religious leaders is that the, the, the big brother's sin wasn't spending everything it had. The big brother's sin wasn't running far from home. The big brother's sin wasn't you know, gambling and wild women and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> the big brother's sin was a hard heart. And the point that Jesus was making in all of this is that sometimes we look down our noses at people who screw their lives up and we forget that sin is a condition of the heart. The big brother's pride and the big brother's ego was just as sinful as what had happened to the little boy. Please don't miss this. So when Jesus, when this woman is brought before Jesus and he's thrown at her feet, and these teachers of the law who are so pompous and so filled with pride, in fact, they set this whole thing up. You know, it was obvious there had to be two or three witnesses for them to confirm it, which means they set this thing up. They, they arranged for some guy to have sex with this gal, and they come busting in with the witnesses, catching him in the act. But you happen to notice that handily the man is not there, just the woman. Because the whole point of it for them is they wanted to trap Jesus. So these men who had this deception in their heart and were filled with their own pride and filled with their own self-righteousness put this girl at Jesus' feet pointing to her sin. And how does Jesus respond? He says, fine, you want to stone her? Go ahead, but let the one of you 
who doesn't have any sin in his life. The one of you who has never sinned, you go ahead and throw the first stone. And what happened? They all walked away. Please hear my heart. It doesn't matter how big your sin is. God's grace is greater than all of our sin. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. But here's the deal. No matter if you've never wandered far away from home, you too are in need of the redemptive grace of God for your heart and soul. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Can I give you one more? God doesn't just meet us in our sin. He doesn't leave us there. God meets us in our sin, but he doesn't leave us there. You notice in the story that after extending this grace, compassion to this woman, do you notice after getting rid of her accusers and restoring this woman's dignity and giving her a, a bit of, of, of self-esteem back. D- did you notice in the story what Jesus said to her? He, how, he, how he gets her up to her feet and he says, you know, where are your accusers? Is there, is there nobody else here? Did they all leave? Yeah, they all left. They're not here. And you could tell she was really happy and Jesus said, and I'm not gonna condemn you either. In other words, forgiveness was happening in that moment, but don't miss this. Then Jesus said one last thing to her. What did he say? Go and sin no more. In other words, this is where sin gets you. Don't live here. I'm giving you a brand new chance. I'm giving you a clean sheet to write on. I'm I'm giving you an opportunity to, to live differently. Now make the most of this moment. Oh, church, please don't miss this. You see, God doesn't forgive us of our sin so that we can continue to live in sin. God doesn't just want to erase our past. He wants to put his spirit in us and help us live a different way. God doesn't want to just forgive us from the penalty of sin. God wants to save us from the power of sin over us. That's what Paul was talking about when he, when he wrote this. He said, we know, we know that our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its what? Power in our lives. Read it with me. We are no longer slaves to sin. In other words, God's grace forgives our past, but as we open our heart to him, his spirit lives in us. As we lean into him, our lives don't have to be dominated by sin anymore. I did a, uh, did a funeral this, this last Thursday as I was driving out to uh, Dell City, out to the Sunny Lane Cemetery for the graveside, I had my, uh, my Christian radio station on and I was listening to it and there was a song that came on that I, I knew I had to share with you today. Uh, the song by Micah Taylor called Walking Free. 
And the words fit so well for what we've been talking about. Here are the words of the song. He says, the verdict was guilty. Case closed, the end. No chance for me to ever leave this prison of sin. Now I know it might sound crazy, but one day a key unlocked that cell. And I heard a small voice say, your debt's been paid by somebody else. Now, I'm nothing perfect, and I still stumble every day. I still get knocked down, but the difference now is that's not where I stay because I've got a Savior who knows everywhere I've been, and he's telling me I never have to go back there again. And now I'm walking, walking walking free. No more darkness. Guilt has lost its grip on me. When mercy called my name, the chains fell at my feet. And now I am walking, walking, walking free. Are you walking in that freedom? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Christ offers himself today, right here, right now, to meet us right where we are. And I don't care who you are, where you've been, how long you've been there, or how bad it is, the things that you've done. God's grace is greater than all of that. And today, he wants to meet you right where you are. So whether your sin today is a bucket of sin. It's attitudes that need to change. It's habits you need to break. It's, it's little things that you, you know are there that aren't pleasing to God, whether, whether it's a bucket or maybe it's a swimming pool of a, of a few things you know you're giving yourself to that you've just made room in your life. Or maybe, maybe you're one of those that, man, like the woman caught in adultery, you're, you're in an ocean of sin. Are you ready to change? Are you ready to leave that world behind and begin anew. Rachel's going to lead us in a song in just a second. It's a, a beautiful Chris Tomlin arrangement of amazing grace. My chains are gone. And as we sing that, I, I just want to give you an opportunity just to lean into the Lord from wherever you are with your own heart and he will meet you right there in your sin. After we have a chance to sing and to pray, we're going to share communion together. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and take your communion cup out. And if you would, go ahead and pull off that little bottom part and take your piece of bread out. Take off the top and have it ready. Those of you watching online, you can do the same with whatever elements you're going to use today. And as you hold these in your hand, I, I want you to remember that this is a body and a life that was crucified for you. And today, this is all you need for the forgiveness of your sin. So today, in these next few moments, confess your sin to the Lord. Confess your need for him to the Lord. Confess your shame to the Lord. Allow him to touch you with his holy healing hand. Father, we hold in our hands the, the evidence of you coming from heaven to earth. You came not to shame us. You came not to condemn us. You came not because you were so angry at us or you wanted to do something awful to us. Your word says that you 
so loved us, you sent your one and only son. We were lost, had no way of finding our way home. We were filthy, had no way of cleaning ourselves up. We were steeped in sin and had no way of removing the scars of that sin until you came. Lord, we hold in our hands the little wafer that represents a body that was broken on our behalf and a little cup of juice that represents your blood that was spilt for us. Today, Father, we confess our need for you. It may be a bucket of sin. It may be a swimming pool of sin. It may be an ocean of sin. But the fact of the matter is, Lord, we are all drowning without your grace. I ask right now, Lord, that you would reach down your hand of mercy, that you would forgive us of our past, that you would deposit your Holy Spirit within us, and that you would help us from this day forward to begin to live brand new lives. Lord, your word says that if any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old is gone, and behold, all things become new. So, Father, today we pray that you would not only free us from the penalty of sin, we pray that you would free us from the power of sin. And we'll give you all the glory. Because it's in your precious name that we pray. And everyone said, 